And may the healing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. It's good to be home. And as much as we uh, support and pray for those who have lost their homes, we are grateful for our homes. We are grateful that we have a home to come to, for there were moments Friday night and early Saturday morning where it was pretty close for some of us. And it is good to be home. I don't know about you all, uh, but it takes typically in my life something that's painful to wake me up, uh, to wake me up so that I begin to think about the things that I need to think about, especially my health and things like that. Um, when I feel pain, of course, uh, like most contemporary Americans, I want a quick fix. Uh, I mean, the advertisements on TV have promised us immediate relief of just about everything, so we want a quick fix for most everything. But to complicate things deep down underneath that, uh, most of us, uh, especially those of us of a certain age, uh, good heavens as old as Father Nicholas perhaps even, um, uh, those of us of a, of a certain age uh, begin to fret a bit about our aging and about the cost of health care and the politics of health care and all of that stuff. Yet mostly when we have those little pains, we want to get back to business as usual. And we don't necessarily want to pause for a moment to think just what it is that the Lord might be trying to connect us to in the experience of that pain. Um, I believe it was C.S. Lewis uh, who famously said words to the effect of um, the Lord speaks to us in our joys and shouts to us in our pains. And in a very real sense, there is often something that is being said to us when we have either a physical pain or a pain of the head or of the heart. Perhaps in our pain, we in the church might learn um, to identify with the suffering of those all around us. We might begin to experience a bit of that identification that the Lord had with our suffering. The Gospel today presents a story of sickness and healing, and it shows us that everything, everything is woven together and hurting world, for a world in pain, Jesus has come. And we see, we'll see that he brings us in the kingdom of God to a, what one author called a therapeutic matrix of healing. For the kingdom of God, for his church, is not just a place where we hear uh, lessons that encourage us or things of that nature. It has often been said that the kingdom of God is a hospital. It is a place where the sick and the lame and the wounded come to. And when we come there, we find that he does not reduce us. Um, there's sort of a tendency in medicine right now toward uh, specialties that, uh, you know, th there are a number of tendencies in medicine right now. Uh, but one of them is that 
we have specialties which sort of lead us to the opinion that we human beings are chopped up into little pieces. Um, we, you know, we are our arthritis, we are our psychiatric disorders, we are um, uh, uh, the podiatrist that we need to go to. You know, each of those specialties tends to sort of make us think that we human beings are chopped up. But our Lord encourages us to see that we are whole human beings made in the whole image of God. He does not reduce us to pieces and parts, a medical part, a spiritual part, a psychological part, and a social part. He weaves all of those threads together to bring us to healing in the kingdom of God. He and he alone sees us in the fullness, the wholeness, the completeness, the healthiness of the image that we bear. And if the image is broken or stained or suffering, he who is the physician touches us in that place where we hurt, in that place where there is weakness, where there is illness. Last Sunday, uh, as I was returning from a very painful memorial, uh, series of memorials for the firefighters in Prescott. As I was driving through the, um, the desert, uh, I had a pain that was in somewhere in between my head and my heart. I had a, um, uh, a weakness that was somewhere between my head and my heart. And I'd like to be, be able to say that as I drove through the desert, I turned on some ancient faith podcast from a holy elder from Mount Athos and received some great wisdom, which I'm now going to share with you all. But actually, as is more my custom, I listened to rock and roll and country. <laughs> and as I drove along, uh, there happened to be on um, the set of stuff that I had, had saved from some long time ago, a very old gospel song um, about uh, the Good Samaritan. And the repeating line that was in this really quite simple gospel song was that he reached down, he reached down, he got right down on the ground. He reached down and he touched the pain. He got right down on the ground. He reached down and he touched the pain. He touched where the pain was. Healing comes out of that touch. Now, none of this means that we who are responsible citizens shouldn't have an opinion on health care and uh, that we shouldn't work on it. It certainly doesn't mean that we shouldn't be uh, blood drawn, cuffed, x-rayed, and scoped at regular intervals. Our prescribed meds, which all of us have ever-growing lists of, our prescribed meds hopefully will first do no harm, and just perhaps they will do some good. But when Jesus comes to us and touches us in our infirmity, what is it that he brings? 
when he who made us in the first place touches our brokenness, what is his prescription? So Jesus got in the boat, and he crosses the lake, and he comes to the city. He reached down. He reached down. He got right down on the ground. He crosses the lake. In an eternal mystery of the incarnation, he has come to our town. Do you know that? Do you know that in your infirmity that he has reached down and come to your town and gotten down on the ground to touch you in your infirmity? And who is it who flocks to see him there on the shore? In one of the Gospels uh, that tells the same story, it says, all people who were sick with various diseases and torments and those who were possessed by demons and those who were mentally ill or crippled. And if we honestly look at ourselves, we're all in that cohort in one way or another. We are all the infirm ones. We are not the smug, healthy ones. I was talking some time ago with Mother Melania about mental illness. Of course, I was looking for some answers about someone else and not myself, certainly. And the dear mother interrupted my babbling and she said, Father, it is a continuum. We're all crazy. So if we're sick or crazy, do we go to Jesus first? Do we bring our sick loved ones to him first? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have him as our primary care physician, to coordinate with all the other specialists who he has gifted and taught, and there are gifted and taught specialists who are out there, but wouldn't it be wonderful if he was our primary care who coordinated all that care? on the treatment team. And perhaps in a mystery that's not as far-fetched as it sounds. What if we looked at our infirmities and our pains as opportunities to bring him into our life, to turn to him in our moment of need? Since he gave us life in the first place, how can he show us how we might weave together all of those factors of our life into that therapeutic matrix that is the kingdom of God. Again, let us return to the gospel. First, we see in the gospel a social dimension. We see that it was friends who brought the man to Jesus, particularly in a, a couple of the other gospels that tell this same story. They carried him to Jesus. He could not carry himself. So they carried him. Oh, that we might have such friends here in the church, which we do, who we have not perhaps availed ourselves of. Oh, that we had such friends to carry us. Father Nicholas has carried me sometimes on his own back. And that's not an easy carry. Parents and sponsors carry the infant to baptism before he can walk there himself. The friends intervened and interceded. Jerome, 
St. Jerome highlights that Jesus saw not the faith of him who was brought, but of those who brought him. So therefore, do not, do not grow weary in your bringing of your loved ones, of your carrying of your loved ones to this place. The second dimension, and once again, this is not a piece or a part, it's just a dimension of what we are. The second dimension we see is spiritual. In the middle of a physical ailment, Jesus tells the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, take heart, I have just repaired the, uh, uh, the tendons and the, the ligaments which uh, are, are not working right. He says, take, take heart, for your sins are forgiven. This broken son of Adam had been brought to the Son of God, who alone could pronounce him free. Jesus stoops down to touch him, and most healing begins with the gentle touch by the healer. The doctor, the EMT, the nurse, must first palpate the broken part. And when the healer palpates the broken part, sometimes it hurts worse than the break itself when it first happens. There is sometimes pain with that touch. There is sometimes pain when you come to your confessor and he touches a broken part. But he cannot heal what he has not first palpated, what he has first touched, and what you have not felt the pain of. It cannot be healed without some pain. Jesus stoops. Most healing begins with that touch. He declares that the man's sins are forgiven. And there he is in that moment, when all of those things have been woven together, there is in that moment a quickening in the joints and muscles. It is like that liberation that we sense when we have confessed and our confessor puts his stole over our heads, and we walk away free and upright under our own power. We walk away free and upright, having no further care for the infirmities that we have declared, and our image is restored. That is what the healing of his touch does to us. Now, we might have to come back from time to time for another treatment. <laughs> we might have to come back from time to time to the same place to have that restoration take place. But it begins in that moment. Third, we see physical. St. Hilary of Poitier commented that Jesus told the man to rise and walk for two reasons, to show that he was himself truly in a body, and that he could forgive sins, and that he could truly, in the body, restore health to bodies. Taking up the pallet was a physical proof of healing. And when the medical practitioner heals, whether they know it or not, and I've often told some of them that, whether you know it or not, you are an unmercenary healer. And they don't know what that is, but I tell them anyway. It is in the similitude when they heal of that holy moment where the Lord healed. Fourth, we see the psychological compassion of our Lord. And we may learn from that. We may learn 
from his compassionate touch how to touch a hurting world. We do not hold the world at arm's length like it's a dead rat. We reach down. We get right down on the ground. We reach down and we touch the hurt so that it may be healed. Our Lord did not demand agreement with his, di his diagnosis, or did he demand that the one who needed healing accept the blame. He encouraged and he moved first to provide care. Dare we move to provide care first before demanding compliance with everything. That's the way the Lord did it. And so it is that our home, the church, here we see the next steps of our healing. For healing what ails us in this life requires lifelong treatment. You must come back to the doctor. One writer observed that the world is in a state of disharmony and internal division and chaos because of its separation from communion with God. If that is the case, then it would seem restoration of the world occurs here in this place. That what we do here in this place for the life of the world and for its salvation is something that we ought to extend to the world for, the, for its salvation. Nowhere will you be nearer, closer to the healing Christ than when you walk down that with the fear of God with faith and love drawing near. Our fathers taught us that the highest and greatest thing for a man to do was to draw near to God and touch him. He has drawn near to us and touched us. When we meet him in communion, we will be healed. When we stand face to face before him, he will say to us, he will say to you, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And in that moment, in that holy moment, right somewhere around here, all the lame will take up their pallets and leap for joy to the glory of God the Father. Amen. <laughs>